Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It truly is a blessing to be gathered together. I was thinking and wondering how many years this has been. Does anybody know? Nobody's going to venture. I know I was young, little, sitting up here with these little boys were when it started. And that's beside the point. But now the tables are turned a little for me this morning. But it's with a privilege that I want to share a simple message with you this morning. And our hearts have been turned toward that one. If you have been paying attention to the songs we were singing and the devotional, the message that I have this morning is simple. It's foundational to our Christian life. Can everyone see that in the back? Clear enough? I didn't have a lot of room to work with, so... Christ offers forgiveness for everyone, everywhere. How many have seen that sign before? Nobody? Oh my. Well, it's something to help us remember. The word coffee... doesn't matter what country you're from, what nationality you're from. doesn't matter what line of genealogy you come from, who your dad was, who your grandpa was. doesn't matter how big the sin load may be. There's nothing that can get in the way of Jesus' gift of forgiveness. And it's for everyone everywhere you don't have to look too far around and see in the news find stories news articles riots protests marches in regards to discrimination people want to be treated equally and trust me it doesn't take much to upset certain people What if Jesus' forgiveness was for a certain kind of people? Like the Jews. How would that affect us here this morning? Where would our hope be? I don't want to waste any time thinking about that, because that's not the case. I also do not want to make light of this gift of forgiveness that Jesus gave us freely. What Jesus did at Calvary was a serious matter. He had the whole weight of sin bearing on his shoulders as he went to Calvary. I thought since we didn't have Sunday school this morning, and being there's children here, there's a very familiar song that we sometimes sing Jesus loves the little children I invite you to sing that with me Jesus loves the little children
children of the world. Sing another song. Jesus loves even me. Goes, I am so glad that our Father in heaven. I am so glad that our Father in heaven. Jesus loves even me. The American Civil War. There was a conflict between the North and the South. The Union and the Confederate. It was a war that lasted for four years from April 12, 1861 to May 26, 1865. While the world, while the war took more than 600,000 lives, destroyed property values of 5 billion, it led to the freedom of 3 million slaves. Now I'd like to tell you something that happened 2,000 years ago on a hill outside of Jerusalem. There was another victory won, and that victory was one that was paid by one. He paid the freedom for millions of people, and his name is Jesus. And he gave his life to set captive free from slavery of sin. I invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 1. For my text this morning, Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to be reading the first 17 verses of Colossians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew of the grace of God in truth, as ye also learn of Ephesus, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that we might be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord in unto all pleasing, bearing fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us to meet, two partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into his kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Paul is encouraging the Christians to remember what they have in Christ. And this is for us. I'd like to zero in on verses 13 and 14. And I have four points that I'd like to pull out of this, these two verses that pertain to us as Christians in our, 
in the way that Jesus saved us. First one that I have is he rescued me. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. First part of 13. The word deliver there is also the same word that is used in Matthew 6.13 in the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Second Peter 2.9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Deliver means to rescue. The Greek word means to draw to yourself, to oneself. And you get the picture of a lifeguard by a body of water. And someone is struggling in that water, drowning, flailing, whatever. They're in trouble. That lifeguard is going to do his best to save him. He's going to draw, draw them to himself. That's the same word here, deliver. When I was young, we liked to swim. We had a place that we would go swimming pretty often. In one corner, there was a steep drop-off. And, of course, that's the corner we always liked to swim in. And uh, some of us guys were swimming. We were standing there. And uh, there were some newbies, new uh, ones that didn't know how to swim. And uh, all of a sudden, one of the fellows uh, started gasping and splash, and he'd come up for air and yell our name, and he was yelling my name, as I remember, and I was further away from him, but one of my friends was closer. Anyway, every gasp of air he came up, he yelled, Delvin, Delvin, and then he'd go under. And, of course, this was a fairly steep drop-off, and if you know what it's like to stand in water that is neck deep, there's this pull. It wants to pull you under. There's, it's, you gotta keep pushing back. Well, luckily we were close by. My friend reached out. It was only arm's length away. Grabbed him by the arm, picked him up, and we went back to safety. You know, we find it humorous today to talk about it. But you know, that could have been worse. But that, that same illustration, we were in sin and we were being pulled under. There's a song that's very familiar. We were struggling in sin. No. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters he lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Also, Paul is telling us that before we were saved, we were the children of disobedience. We walked according to our flesh. We walked according to the power, the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the sons of disobedience. That was, that was our our kingdom. The Bible is clear that if we don't have Jesus Christ, we are a slave to sin. Picture with me a person who is enslaved, serving a cruel master. 
a heartless master. But he has been deceived into believing he is serving himself. Try as you may to convince him that he is enslaved. He will only believe that he is free. All the while he is being led down a pathway of doom. There's also another thought that I'd like to, to, to give you. And that is the thought that as we are born again in Christ, by our flesh we inherited the sin nature, but by Christ we inherit His, His, um, His nature. So that being said, we have a free choice. And that is whether we sin or not. Prior to that, we were a slave to Satan. We thought we were free, but we were not. But once we are in Christ, we have freedom. And we have that choice to sin or not to sin. And it's only as we make those conscious choices of not to sin that, bring, that brings the glory to God. In the end, in 2 Timothy 2, near the end of the chapter, Paul gives some good admonition to how to deal with those who are blind to the truth, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant to them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth, and that may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil and having been held captive by him to do his will. Is Jesus Christ the Savior who brought salvation? When we turn to him in faith, he'll break those chains of sin and set us free. He draws us to himself, rescuing us from that authority of the power of darkness. That is why we with confidence can say, Jesus saves. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus didn't just rescue us to be rescued and then leave us there on our own or with no purpose. And that leads me, that leads me to my second point. He reestablished, he reestablished me. If you look at verse 13, the end of that, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son translate transferred means to be transplanted to be uprooted and placed firmly from one place to another he took me from the sinking sand and placed my feet on a solid rock he took me out of the authority of sin and put me into his kingdom. I am now a servant of Jesus Christ, and I am a servant of his kingdom.
It's more than a change of citizenship. It's a change of opportunity and circumstance. Think with me for a little bit. There are thousands of people that would like to get into our country. At least that was the case before. But there's this drive to be in our country. And they're seeking a better life. It's not that they simply want to liberate from their citizenship of their old country, but it's because they want to come here and have the opportunities to enjoy life. Enjoy the freedom. Do what they want to do without fear. When Jesus rescued you, he reestablished you, transplanting you, granting you citizenship in his kingdom where he reigns. How did he do that? It brings me to my third point, and you'll find that in verse 14. In whom he in whom we have redemption through his blood. He redeemed me to buy back. I remember hearing a story told of an incident that happened in Chicago, on the streets of Chicago. And this was before my time of going with inner city. But this is this happened to someone someone stole the hubcats off off of a person's vehicle and this gentleman had a good idea who or where these hubcats might be so he took a hike and went to find them and sure enough there on the table there laid his hubcats identical ones probably his with a price tag on you know he could have walked up and said hey you stole my hubcaps those are mine he didn't if I have the story right He bought them back. He redeemed them. Am I right on that, Glenn? All right. That was his brother, Gerald. Now, that's a small illustration of redeem. Christ redeemed you. He redeemed me. He bought us back. You know, by right, we are God's in the first place because he created us. But sin separated us. It became our master. And then what did he do? He sent Christ to die on the cross to give us that avenue to be bought back in with him. So there was a price that had to be pay, paid. And that was that blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians Chapter 1, verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. First Peter 1, 18 and 19, For ye know that ye were redeemed from your empty ways of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. With his blood we are brought, he bought us back from slavery. From the slavery we had to sin. That is how we were redeemed. It's very possible that 
in this passage, the audience that Paul was addressing may have experienced what slavery was. It may have been an everyday reality. It may have been something that they were very accustomed to. How many here know what slavery is? Nobody. We don't know what it is physically like to be a slave. But yet, the concept carries that we were a slave to sin. I want to make another illustration from the era of the Civil War. Booker T. Washington, famous educator and founder of the Tuskegee Institute, wrote a famous autobiography entitled Up From Slavery. And he recounts how he came to understand the freedom granted to him under the Emancipation Proclamation. And this is what he says. Quote, I was born a slave on a plantation in Franklin County, Virginia. I am not quite sure of the exact place or the exact date of my birth, but at any rate, I suspect I must have been born somewhere and at some time. As nearly as I have been able to learn, I was born near a crossroad post office called Hales Ford, and the year was 1858 or 1859. I do not know the month or the day. The earliest impressions I can now recall are the plantation and the slave quarters, the later being the part of the plantation where the slaves had their cabins. My life had its beginning in the midst of the most miserable, desolate, and discouraging surroundings. Then he goes on to write about the moment that he, was, that he learned that he was set free. The most distinct thing that I now recall in connection with the scene was some man who seemed to be a stranger, a United States officer, I presume, made a little speech and then read a rather long paper, the Emancipation Proclamation, I think. After reading it, we were told that we were all free and I could go and when and where I, we pleased. My mother, who was standing by, leaned over and kissed her children while the tears of joy ran down her cheek. She explained to us what it all meant, that this was the day for which she had been so long praying for, but fearing that she would never live to see it. For some minutes there was great rejoicing and thanksgiving and wild scenes of ecstasy. Abraham Lincoln, on seeing a slave offered on a block in New Orleans, is said to have commented, there was a rising hatred within sight of me against slavery. And I swore to myself, I could do something about it, I would do something about it. In the same way God hated the slavery in which we were sold into ourselves, he was willing to do something about it. It took to buy us back, to set us free. And he did it with Jesus Christ. Fourth point, verse 14, the end of that verse there, even the forgiveness of sins. He released me to forgive, to erase, to send sins away. Turn, to, turn with me to Psalms 103. <clears throat> Very familiar psalm. Psalm 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth may be renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we are dust. As for man... His days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it it is gone, and the place whereof thereof shall know it no more. And the mercies of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto the children, children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his host, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That chapter, that song, speaks of forgiving our iniquities, healing our diseases, redeeming thy life from destruction. It's God's desire that no man perish, that we all would hold out our hand and grab a hold of that that lifeline that he extends to us. Latter part of that chapter, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions. Have you ever pondered how far the east is from the west? You can make your mind go in circles on that one. As high as the heavens are above the earth. This past week, we, most of us, if we were out, would have experienced an uh, event that doesn't happen very often. And that is the eclipse. Is there anybody here this morning that experienced the totality of the eclipse? A few? I would have loved to have traveled to that spot, but I didn't want to be one of the ones stuck in traffic. So we just sided with the partial. But it's interesting that man has able to attain the knowledge to calculate and understand where everything's going to be. Um, that goes to tell us or show us that how precise God is. And they even have it calculated so far down, so far down that if we continue for another million years, the moon is slowly moving away, there won't be any eclipse. Now we know that's man's thinking. But they had it pretty much pinpart pinpoint where it was going to be. You know, it would have been a laughing stock if nothing would have happened. 
I find it interesting that in 2099, they have it predicted that it's going to go right over here. Totality will be right over here, real close to St. Paul, Minnesota. Now, I probably won't be living. But maybe my children will be probably about 90 years old. Maybe they can see it. Or my grandchildren, if the Lord tarries. But I'm saying that to say this, that, you know, God in his perfectness has everything in order. How much more is he interested in you as a person, as a servant of his? Psalms 53, 4 through 6. Yet he himself bore sickness and he carried our pains, but he turned, regarded him stricken, struck down by God, afflicted, but he was pierced because of our transgression, crushed because of our iniquities, punished for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, for the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Forgiveness restores our relationship with Christ. Romans 5, verse 6 through 10. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For the sacred, for the righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man Some would even dare to die, but God commanded his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 13 through 19. But now is Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments containing the ordinance. For it made to him of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For though for through him we both have access to one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. <clears throat> Now I'd like to make some application. Number one, I can live free from the power of sin. Number two, I now live in a kingdom of God under his authority. Number three, since he bought me, I am his to do as his will. 
Number four, I can live free from the penalty and the guilt and the shame of sin. There is a law of sowing and reaping, and we, not, and we cannot get away from that. Consequences can still have their effect, whatever that may be. Are you living in victory? Do you feel defeated, burdened down, shame over long forgiven sins? It is hard to live in freedom when we don't let go and claim Jesus' promise. It's not that we haven't been set free. It's that we have not grown to understand what freedom really is. And I'd like to make another comparison with the slavery that happened here in the United States. And this is from a historian, Shelby Footy. In his work, The Civil War, he wrote about the freedom given to the slaves in, in our country. And this is what he says. Ultimately, the slave was set free. It became legal, as known as the Emancipation Proclamation. The word spread from Capitol Hill across the city, down the valley, the fields of Virginia, Carolinas, and even to the plantations of Georgia and Mississippi and Alabama. Slavery legally abolished. Read the headlines. But there was something amazing that took place. The greater majority of the slaves of the South went right on living as though they were not emancipated. The Negro reminded, remained locked in a caste system of race etiquette as rigid as any had known in former bondage and that even slaves could not repeat with equal validity what an Alabama slave had mumbled when asked what he thought of the great emancipator whose proclamation had gone into effect. He says, I don't know nothing about Abraham Lincoln except that he says we got free. And I don't know nothing about that neither. How tragic. There was a war font. There was a document signed. Slavery was legally set free. And yet most continued to live in their their years of slavery, serving the same master. Even their children continued. Is it possible that we may be in the same way? We've been set free, but yet we are still slaves to our old master? Or are we living in joy, freedom, power, the authority available to us as citizens of King of Christ's kingdom? I want to read Colossians chapter three. Let this chapter filter through you as I read. Let God's light shine in your life so that your light can shine to others. This is what Colossians chapter 3. If ye then be risen in Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. 
Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake for which things sake the wrath of God come on the children of disobedience, in that which ye also walk sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these angers, wrath, <clears throat> malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ in all and in all. Put on, therefore, an elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Let the peace of God which passes, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husband as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service or men-pleasers, but in the singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Are you gladly sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the people you rub your shoulders with day to day? Next weekend, Lord willing, we'll be going to Chicago to share the gospel with those that are lost. Those people are are seeking. There's people that are lost, and they need the light. They need the hope. But you know what? I find it that's not that hard. The part that I find harder is the ones that I rub shoulders with from day to day. Do my actions show and match up to my talk? Do I exemplify Christ in my life? The gospel is for every person, and we need to be faithful in giving that message.